Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Darlington just doing Nuno dirty. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series XM channel 80 and on ESPN Plus. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel, we're hanging out with you, filling in for the guys. You can give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So we have some huge breaking news out of the NFL today. The NFL has brought down the hammer on the Miami Dolphins. They notified the Miami Dolphins earlier today that the team would be stripped of its 2023 first round pick among other disciplinary measures for violations of league policies relating to the integrity of the game they allege that the Miami Dolphins has tampered with Sean Payton with Tom Brady they did not tank that was also part of the NFL investigation so to help us get further into this Dolphin story we bring in Jeff Darlington ESPN NFL reporter and Jeff I want to ask you about what you did there to Nuno but I'm not going to because I know we need to stick to what's happening <laughs> I, down in I Miami. will just I would like to just say quickly when when I hear it back my own words I feel horrible about it like what a terrible <laughs> thing to do to a human Oh, uh, very funny, though, thing, especially for those of us that actually know Nuno. Uh, However, (laughs) maybe not such a funny thing what's happening down in Miami right now. I thought your tweets were really interesting. You put out a tweet thread on Twitter, and you can follow him at Jeff Darlington, where you laid out how Tom Brady would have been able to be a player owner, because that's essentially what the NFL found is that Steven Ross was maybe willing to give Brady a stake in the Miami Dolphins. He also still would have played quarterback. And you showed that current policy stipulates that all 32 owners would have had to vote to allow that to occur. So how close Mm -hmm. were we actually in Miami to having Tom Brady as our quarterback? Well, it's such a relative word, how close. Look, I, I mean, it was definitely, the conversations were obviously occurring, as we can see in the investigation. And they were occurring at a point when um, Tom was thinking about the possibility of retirement as well. So when we talk about December 2021, when those conversations were taking place, when he was under contract with the Bucks, um, and after the season, I mean, th- that's when he's basically contemplating his post-career ambitions. Um, and certainly the idea of having a minority stake in the Dolphins was, uh, was very, very attractive to him. He's building a home in Indian Creek, which is not but 20 minutes from the stadium. Uh, it made sense. The idea of playing, I believe personally from my conversations was not as um, far down the rabbit hole. And for the reasons I was even putting up there on Twitter, like they hadn't even gotten to the point where they realized that it wouldn't have been able to happen, uh, that, that they would have had 32 owners would have had to vote to allow Tom Brady to be able to be a minority owner and a player. That wasn't going to ha- – I mean, first of all, there's no way the Glazers, the Bucks team that would have just gotten jaded, would have done it. Robert Kraft likely isn't saying that's cool, nor is Woody Johnson, who he'd be playing twice a year with the New York Jets. So was it close? It was close to happening where he would have had a minority stake in the team. Was it close to where he was playing? 
um, not even if it was close in his mind, it wasn't close to a reality when it comes to practicality. Jeff, we're going to get to the Brian Flores aspect of all this in a second, but we went through Brady there. How close was Sean Payton to becoming the head coach of the Dolphins this past year? Pretty close as well. Um, I mean, look, uh, all these conversations were absolutely taking place. And the idea that, you know, one thing I can harken back to is actually when Tom was leaving New England to go to Tampa Bay. I don't know that people realize how close it was that he ended up, he was going to end up with the Saints playing for Sean Payton. Uh, It was very close to the point where Drew Brees didn't really know what he was going to do. Uh, If he had gotten the job in the Monday Night Football booth, for instance, which was a consideration at the time, he was retiring and Tom Brady was going to be with the Saints. And uh, that was certainly something that Sean Payton would have loved to have seen happen. So those conversations had already occurred. The idea that Sean Payton and Tom Brady would uh, would be together in Miami is certainly something neither guy would have uh, would have disagreed with. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson, Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. Uh, Jeff, the Dolphins fan in me is cringing at the thought that we could have. I know it's terrible of me to say, right? But. I mean, I just keep thinking, man, Tom Brady and Sean Payton, uh, what could have been? But these allegations about the tampering with Brady, according to the NFL, stem all the way back to when Brady was under contract with the New England Patriots. Obviously, we know the connection with Michigan between Brady and between Stephen Ross. How much does it surprise you, though, that Brady would have been flirting with another team while under contract with the Patriots inside the division and that there are no repercussions for Tom Brady? Nothing really surprises me at this point, but um, so here's the thing. The relationship is not necessarily between Tom Brady and Steve Ross. The relationship is between Tom Brady and Bruce Beal. Uh, Beal is a 5% minority owner of the Dolphins who has essentially um, ownership approval across the NFL to take over the Dolphins whenever Ross decides he wants to sell. Uh, Bruce Beal is a big Real estate guy, very, very close with Tom Brady and was behind most of those conversations. Um, So it's difficult to really – the problem here is that there's a friendship that exists between Tom and Bruce that any conversation that happens between those two guys is obviously – it's weird because it's a friendship, but obviously it's also – there's a professional component there. And drawing the line between those two can sometimes be very – uh, very difficult. And I think in this scenario, they took it too far and their conversations were too extensive. And that's pretty much uh, why we're here, where we're at right now. So Stephen Ross is fined a million and a half dollars. He can't be around the team until October 17th. He can't attend any league meetings before the annual meeting in 2023. But essentially what you're saying there, if I'm hearing you right, is that it was more Beal than it was Stephen Ross. Is Ross sort of being made out to be the bad guy and it wasn't necessarily Stephen Ross doing the tampering? No, Ross eventually gets into it. I mean, Bruce Beal and Steve Ross are also extremely close, obviously. Um, They, uh, you know, Beal, like I said, has a minority stake in the team. So um, certainly the conversations that would happen between Bruce Beal, and I'm not really saying anything that wasn't um, shown in the investigation itself, but the conversations that were happening between Beal and Brady we're obviously getting back to Ross as well. And Ross is a Michigan guy, as you said. 
and does have a relationship with Tom independent of Beale. But I guess my point is if you see all of these relationships, if you see Tom's ties to Miami where he's going to make home uh, after his career, you can understand why all of this, including um, most notably the eventual minority ownership with the Dolphins, actually makes a lot of sense. Jeff, we only have about a minute or so left here. We know what the NFL says as regards in regards to the Dolphins tampering versus uh, valuing draft mm-hmm. picks. We know what Stephen Ross and Brian Flores have now said in their public statements. As you talk to people around yep. the rest of the league, where do they stand on the entire situation of the feeling that the Dolphins might have been tanking games a few years ago? I would say there's a big difference between, and this is not in defense of Stephen Ross. Obviously, it's egregious, a lot of the things, the findings within the investigation. But I would say that there is a major difference between, um, quote-unquote, valuing valuing draft, prioritizing your draft position um, over wins and losses, a.k.a. tanking. There's a big difference between that and telling your coach, I'll give you $100,000 for every game you lose. An owner can't ultimately control what happens on the field. He can tell everybody in the building, man, I would love to just have, I'd love to lose this year just so we can have that number one overall pick. And there's a lot of people around the league who I've talked to over the past six months about this who have been like, yeah, that happens all the time. I mean, there's plenty of owners who would rather have the first overall pick than, you know, an eight and eight record. But if you actually conspire to make that happen if you actually um influence your coach to do so that is a totally different totally different set of circumstances it's not excusable either way but the latter is definitely more egregious never a dull day down in south florida we're glad that we have you down there jeff darlington (laughs) Uh, thanks so much for joining us jeff thanks jeff Coming up next from the Major League Trade Deadline to the chase for the home run record. That's next. This is ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Amber W Sports at Nick Friedel. You can also give us a shout on the CC call in line, 888 say ESPN, 729 3776. 
We are less than two hours now, Nick, from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Some big names have already been dealt. Soto, obviously, being the biggest one. He is now a Padre. Joey Gallo is headed to the Dodgers. Let's bring in some help with the baseball conversation. And for that, we bring in World Series champion Nick Swisher, of course, former Major League Baseball outfielder, former All-Star. He's done it all. And, Nick, thanks so much for giving us some of your time. I want to start with that Juan Soto trade because we're talking about a player traded from the Nationals with two and a half years left of control at only 23 years old. What does that say that you're seeing a player of his caliber traded with so much control left on his contract? Well, I just think he's, if you're looking at the overall talent, I mean, this is a, a, a sort of a generational talent. I mean, somebody that can absolutely turn your entire organization around. I saw a picture earlier today, I think it was on Instagram, and it was Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, and Juan Soto, and I got chills. I was just thinking to myself, like, how electric can that team be, especially with the pitching? Musgrove just signs the extension. It looks like they are going for it. I'm loving seeing what they're doing because, listen, right now in the National League, everybody knows the Dodgers are the team to beat. So if you want to match up with them, you have to make some changes. And, the, you know, the Padres are making those changes. I can't wait to see what's going to happen at the end of September. So, Nick, we know the Padres are going for it. The Nationals, on the other hand, they've now run through Bryce Harper, Max Scherzer, <laughs> Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, and Soto. Why can't they hang on to any one of these stars? Well, remember, they did, they did get a World Series out of that, right? So they got one. They got one World Series to talk about. But I think at the end of the day, listen, you're talking about some unbelievable talent that has literally walked through the front, front door and walked right out the back door. And you just kind of let them slip away. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, obviously, obviously, the Bryce Harper deal, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about these amazing, you know, baseball players. Contracts are so demanding. I mean, listen, you know, you just hope everything that they got in return is what they wanted, uh, and that can really help bring them back to top. Because when you have a generational talent like that, you have to have something that's going to pan out. And hopefully with some of those moves that they made, uh, it's going to work out for them on both sides. Just uh, pouring salt in the wounds of Nationals fans on what is a rough day for them today. <laughs> Nick Swisher joining us, of course, the former so outfielder. Right. You're, it's you're right. So right. It is salty oh. for them today. I mean, but at the same time, Nick, you know, I mean, it, it, an ugly contract, obviously, when they couldn't come to terms. We know what Soto is going to command in two and a half years, and their farm system was really thin. So this is the opportunity for them yeah. to reload. A hundred percent. You know, I thought the Anaheim, or I thought uh, the Angels were going to do something with Shohei. Obviously, considering what they've got, you know, like where their rec- their record has been in the past. Could that be something that you could trade away for an entire uh, cupboard full of players to be able to pick and choose from? You know, but at the end of the day, they held on to them. So, well, you know, we'll see how that works out for them. Nick, you mentioned being on Instagram and seeing that graphic with with Tatis and Machado and now Soto. Given your experience of winning at the highest level in that Padres clubhouse right now, what kind of emotional lift? does it give the rest of the group when the organization makes this type of move? It's huge, right? I mean, I think it has to. I think everybody's excited. I think there's just a lot of buzz right now. I mean, you know, every, you know, San Diego Padres are trending all over the world right now. I mean, it's huge. It should be a boost for the squad moving forward. But I think, you know, also, you know, that kind of, 
that really, really locks that bond in from front office to player because now you're saying to yourself, whatever we need, they're going to go out and get. And now, like, hey, there's no more excuses. We've got who we need. Let's go out and get the job done. I think it's great, man. I, I think it's going to be a boost for the fan base, boost for the overall locker room. Uh, the, the NL West is for real. Uh, I, I can't wait to see Soto uh, over in that division uh, going up against the Dodgers as many times as they do. I can't wait to see how that rivalry really works itself out. And a reminder, Sunday Night Baseball this weekend has Juan Soto and the Padres visiting the Dodgers. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, World Series champion, all-star, of course, outfielder Nick Swisher. Joining us here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. And Nick, before I move forward with more baseball questions, I want to ask you real quick because I know Jim Beam is giving one lucky rec league team a full refresh Go ahead and tell us about it. Yeah, now, now, I'm not giving you this information because I, I'm the one telling you. I'm just telling you because it sounds so badass. Check it. At the end of the day, we're going to pick three teams, right, because all oh, recreation sports are getting back. Jim Beam's the type of brand that wants to bring people together. Listen, I've already been a brand, a fan of the brand since I was in college, so to be able to team up has been absolutely amazing. What team in rec sports doesn't need a cool makeover? What sports team doesn't need, you know, all the cool swag, the jerseys, the hats, the coolers? I mean, listen, they're going to give you an extra five grand to go out and buy all the equipment you need for whatever sport it is. And we're not just talking about softball. We're talking about, you know, tennis. I mean, whatever it is, golf. I mean, whatever your rec team is, Jim Beam wants to be part of that. Bringing people together is amazing, and nobody appreciates the people more than myself. So being able to team up with them has been amazing. Jim Beam, RecRefresh.com is the website. Go on there and 250 words or less. Tell us your best squad memory, your best rec team memory, and then we're going to choose three winners on August 5th. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So happy to be part of this. Go out there. Everybody let us know your favorite memory, and we'll see exactly how we can get this thing moving. Nick, first of all, I've been doing this a lot of years. I have never seen anybody sell a promo that hard. So that was enthusiastic. Props to you <laughs> for that. Right there. First That's how you and do foremost. it, Nick Swisher. You got, hey, no, no, not, not because, like, uh, because of, like, what they're doing. Like, the fact that, like, you have these, these amazing organizations, these amazing companies like Jim Beam that want to go out and give back, get people back together, right? Like, bring the, bring the rah-rah, bring the teamwork back. I mean, dude, that's right up my alley. So to be able to team up with them for this amazing, uh, you know, awesome, uh, you know, kind of sweepstakes, uh, it's been badass, man. It's been so much fun to be part of. Well, Nick, speaking of sweepstakes, Aaron Judge is making more money, it seems, every day with the way he's putting up numbers. (laughs) Every day, bro. In in all your years, have you ever seen a guy have a contract year like this? I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I was just talking with some of my friends today. And we were saying, like, man, you know, like, you always hear that term, you know, like, you know, this is his contract year. But, you know, is that any different than any other year? But when you're going off the way he is, listen, I have an up-close and personal seat with Aaron Judge. To be able to watch him do what he does from the front seat has been absolutely amazing. What an amazing human being. But I'm not going to lie, in spring training, when that contract was offered to him, in my mind, I was almost a little disappointed. I'm thinking to myself, wow. $215 $215 million, you're going to take care of your family, take care of your kids' kids, and, like, you're set for life. You're a Yankee for the rest of your career. I was a little disappointed. And then I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm kicking my own self for even thinking that, considering 
what's going on right now. I mean, can you, can you imagine the, the, the pace that he's on, the MVP contract year that he's on, what he's going to receive at the end of all this? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like I'm just going to slide a check across the table, and I'm going to have you write a number on that big man because, in my mind, I think you're worth every penny. So I, I could not be more proud of him. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm such a big fan of his. The way he does everything, he's such a great role model for young kids, great role model for all of us. The way he's handling all that pressure in the biggest media market on the planet. Uh, I mean, he's doing it with class. He's doing it with grace. Uh, and I'm, I'm telling you what, man, we uh, as Yankee fans and as Yankee family uh, are so blessed to be able to have uh, a generational player like that. Yesterday's price is not today's price when it comes to Aaron Judge. That is for sure. Nick Swisher, former Major League Baseball player, of course, World Series champ and all-star. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. You got it, guys. Have a good rest of your show, man. Take it easy. We appreciate it. Especially we appreciate the enthusiasm because that is how you do it, Nick Friedel, right? Woo! That Nick Swisher, he Amber, knows what he's Nick doing. Nick Swisher needs to go cut wrestling promos now. <laughs> he does. The WWE right now needs to give Nick Swisher a call. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. Sue L. Robinson said that she has seen a lack of remorse from Deshaun Watson. We're going to get into why remorse might not be as cut and dry for Deshaun Watson as it seems. That's next. This is ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We have enormous breaking news from the National Football League. Adam Schefter, the decision has been made. What can you tell us? Sue L. Robinson, the retired federal judge, handed down her decision. Deshaun Watson has been suspended for six games. DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended for six games for a PD violation. I think Zeke Elliott had six games for um, accusations of domestic violence. So there is no penalty that kind of goes back in time and has these women not experienced the things that they experienced. So there's no penalty that solves that. So we're continuing to unpack the Deshaun Watson situation here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. And Nick, that that rejoin coming in, you hear a lot of voices and there's a lot of frustration as it comes to the situation with Deshaun Watson. We know six game suspension handed down by Sue Robinson, the independent arbitrator that was appointed by both the NFL and the NFLPA to sort of handle these things. And now the onus is on the NFL, whether to appeal or not. It has three days. We will know by Thursday whether the NFL is appealing its decision essentially to itself with the NFL. But one of the things that you heard there on the rejoin is the comparison to some of the other suspensions that have happened across the NFL. And certainly Sue L. Robinson was using precedent where she was using how the NFL has applied its CBA policy in the past. 
I do think one of the things that people miss and is that it's an easy thing to miss, Nick, is that there are different policies within the CBA. So not every suspension, like when we're talking about Calvin Ridley, he violated the league's gambling policy. He wasn't suspended under the personal conduct policy. Those are two different analysis. So she wouldn't have been applying Calvin Ridley as precedent to a violation here of the personal conduct uh, policy. I just want to get that out there because I I feel like there's a lot of confusion around that component of how she made her decision. Absolutely. I mean, Amber, in going through what happened yesterday and certainly the buildup to the decision, the feeling was that Sue L. Robinson was going to come in and be this change. She was going to set a different tone for the NFL in how suspensions were doled out. And very clearly, and you have the legal background to speak to it, she didn't set a change so much as look at exactly what's happened in the past and say, okay, these are the conditions by which I were I was given the instructions to do my job, and this is the way I decided to do it. And that's the part, at least from the public perception, that I think people are struggling to go through based off that 15-page report that was released yesterday. I don't know why people expected that she was going to be this massive change. The change was that they brought in an independent party to make this initial decision. That was a change in the process. What that does is take the heat off Roger Goodell, let's be honest. That's mm-hmm. what this is facilitated by, right? But in terms of her being the change, she still is going to apply the precedent that occurred before. She's still going to apply the language of the collectively bargained agreement. It was quite literally her job. I don't know why people thought she was just going to come in and apply her own principles or her her own morals or her own standards to the situation. And she very clearly did not do that. But judges don't do that. Judges look at controlling precedent. It's how they make their decisions. Quite literally, when you're a lawyer, I mean, all we're doing is citing cases when we're making our arguments and controlling authority. And judges are reliant on the decisions of higher courts within their own jurisdiction and making their decision. And that's what they follow. It's it's a guided principle of law that you are looking at precedent that came before you in making your decision on how the law has been applied in the past. And that's exactly what she did here acting as a judge. But what's interesting, the result of this, of course, is that the Cleveland Browns, I feel like, haven't been talked about much. There's been a lot made of Sue L. Robinson now. There's a lot made moving forward of the NFL because we know Roger Goodell still has this appeals authority, which complicates matters. But I haven't heard much about the Cleveland Browns component of this. Now, we did get a statement from the owners of the Cleveland Browns. They put out a statement throughout this process. Deshaun and his representatives have abided by the newly created and agreed upon process for the NFLPA and the NFL to defer the objective to judge Sue L. Robinson to comprehensively review all information and make a fair decision. We respect Judge Robinson's decision and at the same time empathize and understand that there have been many individuals triggered throughout this process. We know Deshaun is remorseful that this situation has caused much heartache to many and we will continue to work and will continue the work needed to show who he is on the field and off the field and will continue to support him. That is a statement from D and Jimmy Haslam following the ruling from Sue L. Robinson. It's interesting there because they note, Nick, that Deshaun Watson has been remorseful. Sue L. Robinson actually said, in her opinion, that he hasn't been, that he has lacked expressed remorse. I guess the lawyer in me, though, where I jumped to – Immediately, because everybody wants Deshaun Watson to be so remorseful, which from a morals and ethics standpoint, I understand that reaction. Of course, what he the allegations against him are heinous. 
However, the lawyer in me is looking at this situation like there's only so remorseful he can be because he can't admit he did any of these things. There's pending actions against him. There's still a pending action against him. He can't. So you've you've seen Deshaun Watson dance around it. And when he's in front of a microphone where he's like, I'm sorry about the impact on the community, but I didn't do anything. And so it doesn't feel like real remorsefulness. At the same time, he can't be remorseful while he's defending himself against pending actions. And Amber, to exactly that point, it all feels like a very large PR dance right now because Deshaun Watson can only say so much. James, uh, or excuse me, Jimmy and uh, and D. Haslam can only say uh, so much in a statement. But let's be real. The Browns made their decision. When they went and gave Deshaun Watson the most guaranteed money in the history of the sport. So anybody looking for some different type of of change in a statement, good luck to you because it's not coming. They, they showed you in their actions way more than their words what they thought about the entire situation. And in for any pro team, but especially in this particular case, the PR statements – they just don't mean much to me as a fan at all. They showed you what they meant, and all the other words are meaningless. I didn't even bother to read the Haslam's statement until today because, in preparation for the show, because who cares that what they say? Because there's only so much they can say. They handed the man 230 million guaranteed dollars, and they backloaded the contract so that when he's suspended, however exactly. many games for these six games, he doesn't lose a, hardly a darn thing. So they gave me their statement right the second that they did that. And I don't care what else is said in PR statements after that moment. Coming up next, there is on the field news, though, to get to with the NFL. It involves one Super Bowl contender. That's next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. NBA is investigating possible tampering charges involving the New York Knicks free agent pursuit and signing of the former Dallas Mavericks guard Jalen Brunson. And apparently teams, they weren't allowed to make contact, of course, with an agent or a player to discuss a deal prior to 6 p.m. Eastern on June 30th at the opening of free agency. Brunson immediately agreed to a deal with the Knicks that night, and so it has raised eyebrows. Also, how do you not talk to your dad until 6 p.m. Eastern on June 30th, Nick Friedle? How does that work? Amber, this has a very collegiate feel to all of it (laughs) because uh, Tibbs, Tom Thibodeau, the Knicks head coach, he's known Rick Brunson a long, long time. The Knicks hired Rick Brunson as an assistant. The Brunson family, and Rick specifically, has a long history with Leon Rose, who runs the Knicks now day to day. And Jalen has known not only Leon Rose, but Tibbs for a long time. So there are a lot of dots to connect, and we spent most of the day discussing the NFL dots that have been connected with this Tom Brady, Dolphins, Brian Flores, Sean Payton story. There were plenty of people all across the NBA who thought, yep, 
couple years ago, Jalen Brunson will probably land with the Knicks now. And when Rick Brunson, his dad, became a member of the coaching staff, everybody went, yeah, this is probably what's going to happen. So I think the Knicks could have some issues there. But as has been pointed out many times at this point, when you're in the NBA and these deals are done, Usually they're done, and if it's worth it for a second-round pick to go the other way, that's just the price that you have that's to pay. That's just the price of doing business, right. and especially when we're talking about the NBA, right? I mean, one of the big stories today, obviously, is the Miami Dolphins doing the tampering in the NFL, losing a first-rounder in 23. We don't normally see it in the NFL like that, and the NFL has dropped the hammer. And the NBA, frankly, we see this all the time. I just don't know how the Knicks could have possibly avoided it. And this, like, of course, I mean, all right, it's being investigated. They're going to end up getting hit for tampering here because it's your dad. It's your godfather. I mean, what are we doing? It's Leon Rose. Rick, Rick Brunson was Leon Rose's first client. And so, so early in his career, he's been in Jalen's life this entire time, literally Jalen's entire life. Leon Rose has been in his life. You mentioned Thibodeau. Same thing there. Your actual father is on the coaching. How do you not speak to your father until free agency officially begins? How do you not have that conversation over dinner one night? So clearly the Knicks tampered here with Jalen Brunson. Allegedly. Uh, Who cares? Who cares that they tampered with Jalen Brunson? Honestly, NBA, who cares? 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Amber W Sports. That's me at Nick Friedel. That's him. So let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, Nick, because the Cowboys will be without wide receiver James Washington for six to 10 weeks because of a fractured right foot that was suffered on Monday at training camp. According to multiple sources, he is scheduled to undergo surgery on Tuesday in Dallas. So a big loss there for the Dallas Cowboys. And the question then becomes, how do they feel that James Washington left size hole. There is a veteran wide receiver who is coming off of an injury himself who might be available in Odell Beckham Jr. Now, maybe the Rams want him back. There's a lot of reports out there that they're going to try to work it out, but maybe Dallas would be interested in OBJ and what would that mean there for the success of Dak in Dallas? We know Jerry Jones loves himself some stars, Nick, so from that perspective, it fits. OBJ is a big name. Now, Jerry Jones... He did say there's no urgency to acquire external help at wide receiver. He said that after the James Washington foot fracture, here's the direct quote, not at all. Let's get these guys the incentive, these young receivers. So he sees an opportunity for the young receiver. He's saying all the right things, Nick, but I feel like Odell Beckham Jr. wouldn't be a terrible fit there for old Jerry. The key to me, Amber, is Odell loves the spotlight. And there is no bigger spotlight in the NFL 
than that of playing for the Dallas Cowboys with Jerry Jones as your owner. So when you are discussing players who have the personality to fit certain teams, certain programs, the match there is very clear to me because Odell is a guy who has played in New York. He had success in L.A. He's dealt with injuries. you got to see if he's the same kind of player coming off of this one. But from a, a standpoint of star player and organization that loves stars, there's a lot of reasons to believe that it would work for the Cowboys and OBJ. Well, and our very own Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN's NFL front office insider, was on Get Up, and he said the Dallas Cowboys should immediately run to try to get OBJ. I want to control his rehab. I want him to learn the offense so he can hit the ground running. And in all seriousness, guys, I got to think that Aaron Rodgers is reminding the Green Bay Packer front office about OBJ. And let's face it, Van Jefferson just had knee surgery yesterday for the Rams. He obviously won a title there. I'm sure they're still very much in the mix. So if I'm Dallas, there was a big sense of urgency beforehand. But as Lewis pointed out, losing James Washington, if I'm Jerry Jones, I am all over OBJ right now. Now, we know that OBJ suffered the ACL injury in the Super Bowl. It's been a long recovery for him. And so we're waiting to see where he ends up. Now, there are reports, Nick, out there that there has been a bit of a handshake deal between the Rams front office and OBJ's camp, that they're going to try to bring him back there, but that hasn't happened yet. So it's possible that maybe he sees the bright lights in Dallas. I just wonder from the Odell Beckham perspective, don't you want to win another ring? And is Dallas a better place to do that? Or do you feel like you could maybe run it back with the Rams and hit on it twice? Well, Amber, you and I both know that Dallas is never a better place to do that (laughs) because they can never seem to find a way uh, to get back to where they were in the 90s, uh, at least on that championship level. But as far as OBJ, part of the conversation when he signed that deal was he took less to be in Los Angeles and he enjoyed being in the city where there were so many other marketing opportunities for him. So certainly if you go have success with the Cowboys and they win, the sky's the limit. But I don't think anybody believes that would actually happen given the structure of that team and their inability to hit another level in the playoffs through the last couple decades. So if you're Odell Beckham Jr., you want to be wanted. And if the Rams already took the chance on you and you helped them win some games at the end of last year – why not run it back and have that ability to defend the Super Bowl title that you helped put them in place for? OBJ's a little bit of a risk. And coming off of a torn ACL, then he's even more of a risk, right? But he's about to be 30 years old. I mean, he's still relatively young. He's young enough anyways, where he can certainly contribute here. And he can contribute right away. And we've seen him do that. I mean, he was up and down a little bit with the Rams in their offense last season. But we do know that Odell can definitely give you some extra yardage there when you need it and can maybe give you that boost that Jerry so desperately wants always in terms of the star power and the big name. And with the loss now of James Washington, it frankly even makes more sense to me than it did before. Like these rumors were already out there throughout this off season, but now with the 
injury to Washington for six weeks if he's going to be out that long. Now it makes even more sense to me for Jerry Jones to try to actually get this done. You heard there in the Mike Tannenbaum sound, though, he mentioned the Green Bay Packers. That's another team that is often linked to the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. And that's another place, frankly, that, yeah, Nick, it, it makes a lot of sense to try to bring some vet presence into that wide receivers room. Well, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's the other big key to me in that regard, Amber, because any wide receiver would want to play with him. We've seen what he can do. He's that good. But this all kind of shakes out in a good spot for Odell Beckham Jr. because all of a sudden now he has a little more leverage. And when you're trying to get that much money, this is exactly what you should be looking for. I'm assuming if you're Dak Prescott, you'd like this to happen because you'd like as many weapons as you can have at your disposal. But Sean McVay is still out here in recent days making the comments all over the media that allude to the fact that maybe the Rams are still thinking about trying to run it back with Odell Beckham Jr. Coming up next, how close was Tom Brady to playing for another Florida franchise? We'll get into that. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio.